All right, let's jump right into the Bible real quick. Uh, just feel like that'd be a good idea. Uh, woo. Goodness gracious. That's some fun stuff. Okay, here we go. Uh, this, is a, this is a verse that I want to share with you guys. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible about what Jesus came to this earth to accomplish and how it's the exact opposite of what our enemy Satan plans. And it's John 10, 10. You can read it. It says, the thief, that's the devil, that's Satan, comes only, not sometimes, not maybe, but only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I mean, it's right there. Jesus came to give us life, but not just a life, uh, but a life worth living. And that's good news. Um, I do want to take a second right up front uh, uh, to just in case you just walked in today, we are going to be talking about the walking dead. And so uh, while the biblical truth we're going to discuss is for everyone, uh, some of the scenes that we'll see are a little intense. And so uh, we'll call it PG-13. Um, and if, if there is, is someone here, maybe you brought your, uh, your child in here with you. Uh, I want to give you the freedom to just slide out and take them to Brentwood Kids. It is an amazing environment. Uh, that is uh, custom for them. It's fun, it's safe, and they'll have a great time, and then you can make your way back in here. Just want to give you that, uh, that freedom. So let's go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you for this morning, and we just simply ask that you do what only you can do. In your name, amen. All right. So on Halloween night, 2010, millions of people turned on their televisions and heard that haunting and exhilarating arrangement and TV would be changed forever. Uh, Names like Rick Grimes and uh, Daryl Dixon. If you don't know, this means I crossbow or heart Daryl. Ask me later if he doesn't get it. But like, and terms like walkers would become common verbiage and people would get, uh, would get angry or get goosebumps or, or they'd have all kinds of crazy reactions to names like the governor or terminus, right? Anybody? Yes, no, maybe just me. Uh, but it, it's a lot of fun. But I'm not alone. Over 17 million people around the world have followed this group of survivors on their journey celebrating with them and their wins, mourning with them in their losses. The walking dead has impacted the lives of countless people. And the reason why is because it's not just a show about zombies. Oh, sure, there are zombies, and they are awesome. But it's even more than that. And that's why people from all walks of life and all belief systems can connect with a show like The Walking Dead. And today, we're going to find out why and what that means for us as individuals and as Brentwood Church. And that's what we're going to be finding out today. But I want to introduce myself. My name is Eric, uh, and I get to be the director of student ministry here at Brentwood Church, um, and, and I'm excited. If, if, uh, I get to lead a group of uh, students 6th through 12th grade, and it is a phenomenal environment. Uh, if you know someone uh, in that age group that does not come to Collide, man, let them know. Stop by our table in the lobby. Lots of cool information. But today, we get to wrap up our series season finale, and it's been amazing. Over the past weeks, we have seen nine people raise their hand to indicate that they now believe and follow Jesus. Nine people, yes, absolutely. You can celebrate that. That's people going from death to life. That's a big deal, and we believe that the best is yet to come, that God is just getting started. One of the great things about this series that we're in is that we're seeing 
that every season of life that we're in, God wants to show us something about himself. But he also wants us to use that to make us more like Jesus. And it's possible. Today, many of us in the room are are in a season, uh, and it's a season of searching. There's very various things that we're searching for, but, but many of us are gonna find ourselves in that season. And my prayer is that by the time we are done this morning, you are ready to move from a season of searching to a season of showing. Moving from searching to showing. That's our goal. Uh, but what I wanna do right quick, I wanna show you the bottom line. Everything that we're gonna be talking about today is gonna be pointing to this one truth. So take a picture, write it down, scribble it on your arm or on your neighbor's arm, I don't care. But here it is. Whoever finds God finds life. Whoever finds God finds life. I love that. We're gonna be talking more uh, about that. And, and the thing is, is life motivates all of us. But not just, not just life, A full life, a life with meaning and purpose, a life full of hope. See, we all search for that kind of life. And as human beings, we have an incredible tool that we can use to search for anything we want to, and it's called the internet. Who's heard of the internet? Absolutely. It's not a rhetorical question. We all ever, we love the internet, right? You can find anything you want to online. You can find history. You can find directions. Uh, You can find music. If you're like me, you can find previews to the new Jurassic Park and the new Star Wars movie. Anybody? Yes, come on. That's, Jesus loves you, girl. All right, so um, you can find anything you want to. But we understand that when you're searching online, you have to put up safeguards. You have to put up boundaries in your life because you might find yourself getting tangled up in something and it can be unhealthy, it can be dangerous, and so we have to do that. And so I wanna tell you that, that uh, a little while ago, a few years ago, I realized that I had a problem with something that I was uh, searching online. Uh, and I've since gotten help and I'm, I'm much better now, but I wanted to tell you that, that my problem was WebMD. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had the same, uh, the same problem, but it's crazy. No matter what you plug in, you're like, oh, great, I have leprosy. Um, but uh, even though you just, you keep going back, you keep searching for more. And, and it started with like, oh, wow, this hurts. I'm going to look at that. And uh, I don't know why I've got this little twing. I'm going to look at, and before I knew it, I was researching everything. Every ache and pain that I would feel, it was bad. I was becoming a full-on hypochondriac. And loved it. But now I'm better. Now I'm better. Um, but the thing is, 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 is also, side note, I would only be this way about me. Maybe you guys can identify with that. If my friends or family would walk up to me, they could have an eyeball hanging out of their socket. And I'd be like, it's cool. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Shake it off. I mean, but like, you'll be all right. But for me, because of my WebMD issues, like if I got a paper cut or something, I just knew that, that it was going to get infected and it was going to turn green and I was going to have to get it amputated and it was going to be bad. You know, okay, it wasn't quite that bad. But you understand, like, WebMD was, was a bad thing. But I realized what the draw of something like WebMD is, and it's a place for people with questions to find answers. They may not always be correct answers, but they're answers, right? And so just like me, I knew that something wasn't right, and so I decided to go searching. 
Have you ever thought how cool it would be, though, if WebMD had a good news button? Because it seems like every time you go, you get bad news. I think a good news button for WebMD would be amazing. You could punch in all your stuff, all your issues, all your problems, and then you could hit search, or you could hit the good news button, and I'm sure it would be like flashing, and it would just be awesome. Like, the, web, the good news button. How many people do you still think would hit search? Nobody, because everybody wants good news. We all do. I mean, I would hit the good news button 10 out of 10. And I bet you guys would too. Don't deceive yourselves. I mean, think about it. Think about the last time someone walked up to you and said, all right, I got good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? Well, most normal people want the bad news first because then they know they've got the good news coming, right? It may be bad, but it's going to get better, right? But if you're one of those crazy people that are like, I want the good news first, you're weird, but to each his own, okay? It's the hope of good news that keeps us going forward. And it's also, it's a lot of fun to give good news to people. I mean, some of you guys have, have had that, that privilege to, to be able to do that. Like, for example, my wife loves watching those, those TV shows on uh, HGTV and all this kind of stuff where they buy and flip or flop and all these kind of things, houses. And uh, I mean, I must admit, I've watched a few dozen and, and I get really, I get, don't judge me, and I, but the cool, I get a little bit jealous every single time that realtor gets to go, you got the house, however they do it, because the look on those people's faces is awesome. This is something that they have been wanting so bad, and that person got to be the one to give them the good news. It is a a really cool thing. It's exciting to give people news that that they want to hear or that you know they need to hear. And for some of us in the room this morning who believe and follow Jesus, we believe what the real good news is. And that's, that's the good news of the gospel, and because it has changed our life. I see at some point, God, uh, God used someone to give us the good news of the gospel and God connected the dots in our hearts and mind because we realize that, that we can't manufacture anything in and of ourselves for us to, kinda, to have the kind of life that God designed for us. We can't. But we know that whoever finds God finds life, a full life, a complete life, a life full of hope. And there are others in here this morning, though, who you don't yet believe and follow Jesus, and you're, you're searching, too. You're searching for something more. And just like many of us, you've tried to manufacture it with all kinds of different things, but it always comes up short. And today, while we're going to be talking about what might be one of your favorite TV shows, more importantly, we're going to be talking about that something more that you've been searching for. So, real quick, remember the verse that we read earlier, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's why he came. This is another verse that I love too. Proverbs 8, 35a says, for those who find me find life. For those who find me find life. That is where we get our bottom line for today. Whoever finds God finds life. It's just that simple. It's in the Bible. Whoever finds God finds life. So why do we believe that whoever finds God finds life? Aren't there other ways? There's gotta be other ways, right? What makes the good news of the gospel so good? Well, to help us discover that, we're going to take a closer look at The Walking Dead. 
So as you saw in the beginning, uh, that guy, his name is Rick. He is the leader of this group. And as you, uh, in the beginning, we, we see that he wakes up in the hospital and he finds himself in this apocalyptic world. Well, shortly hereafter, he's reunited with his wife, Lori, and his, do- uh, his son, doesn't have a dog, his son, Carl, along with another group of survivors uh, that they have banded together with. And uh, one night they're sitting around their campfire and, and they're, they're, they are overrun with zombies or, or walkers, if, you, if you're in on this joke. And, and many of them die. Many of the survivors are killed, including a young girl named Amy. And what this does to Amy's older sister who is there, this messes her up. I mean, she is now just distraught on the verge of giving up. I mean, they all took a huge hit right here. And so when the the sun came up and they're like, we've got to go somewhere. We can't stay here. This place has been compromised. Where do we go? So they decided the only place that made sense is the Center for Disease Control. So they load up and they head over to the, the CDC. And when they get there, the scene is dismal to say the least, but they've come this far. They have to see if anybody is alive inside. And so uh, as they're banging on the doors, all of a sudden, to their surprise, they, they fly open and they all run inside. And the person that they meet is Dr. Edwin Jenner. And we come to find out that he is the sole surviving member of the CDC. But in the scene that we are about to watch, uh, the tables have turned yet again for our group of survivors. And this doctor, this person who they thought was going to give them answers, was going to give them hope, has told them that he is giving up. That he's looked far and wide and does not believe that hope exists. And this doesn't sit well with our group. Take a look at how they respond to this news. Open the door! Out of my way! You should have left well enough alone. It would have been so much easier. Easier for who? All of you. You know what's out there. A short, brutal life and an agonizing death. Your, your sister. What was her name? Amy. Amy. You know what this does. You've seen it. Is that really what you want for your wife and son? I don't want this. I can't make a dent. Those doors are designed to withstand a rocket launcher. We are heading! Whoa! 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 Back up! You do want this. Last night, you said. You knew it was just a matter of time before everybody you loved was dead. What you really said there? After all, you big up. I had to keep hope alive, didn't I? There is no hope. There never was. There's always hope. Maybe it won't be you. Maybe not here, but somebody, somewhere. What part of everything's gone do you not understand? Listen to your friend. She gets it. This is what takes us down. This is our extinction event. See, right there, we see something critical that's missing for Rick and the rest of the group. That even though that they believe hope is out there, they don't know when or who 
or, or where they're going to find it. But they have to believe it exists because this can't be all there is, right? And so they keep moving forward. But the problem is, is there's no one to show them. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Numbers. We're going to be in chapter 21. But before you doze off, I just want to tell you, we're not going to be dealing with actual numbers. All right? There's no place for math in the house of God. I'm just kidding. You will use it when you grow up. Um, but anyway, in the book of Numbers, uh, it is, it's the culmination of Israel's exodus from Egyptian slavery. Like they, they have, they've left and they are heading toward the land that God promised their fathers. See, God promised the Israelites that they would become a great nation and that they would have a special relationship with God. Well, one thing that happens a lot in the book of Numbers is that the Israelites complain. They do. And that attitude against God brought God's judgment against them. Uh, And so uh, what we're going to find in the passage that we're about to read is, yet again, the Israelites are complaining. But it's the symbolism of what you're about to read that I want to make sure you don't miss. So we're going to start chapter 21 in verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the road route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Some hardcore complaining. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. I will never complain again. Snakes. God knows how to get people's attention, doesn't he? They bit people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake lived. So God tells Moses, make a snake, make a bronze snake, put it up on a pole, tell everyone that they are bitten, they can look at this snake and they can live. It's pretty simple. So what do you think Moses did when he was given this life-saving news from God? Do you think he said, oh, this is awesome. And do you think he went and gathered all the other people who were not bitten and they just praised God because he made a way for people who are bitten? No. No, as soon as he got this good news, as soon as he knew what, what to point people to to heal them, I'm sure that he went and told everybody that he could find because everyone needed to know this. Some people needed to know it because there was someone in their life who was dying. Other people needed to know it because they themselves were dying. This was good news. It didn't matter who you were, young, old, rich, poor, male, female, didn't matter. It was the same thing that could save everybody who looked. And Moses knew how good this news was. So he was going to tell everybody. Now, imagine you're in that situation, right? And for the sake of argument, we'll say you're not bit. You're welcome. And so all of a sudden you hear Moses and he's tearing through and he's going, God has spoken, look this way and you can be saved. And people are getting healed and momentum is building. Do you think that you would just stand there and go, this is awesome. I love this. I just want to celebrate everybody getting healed. This is super. 
And if someone came up to me and said, oh, how do I do this? I will point them that direction. You can count on me. No, no, you would realize how big of a deal this is. Everyone needs to know this. And so you would tell everyone that you saw about this good news and what direction to point them to. And if you found out that they knew the good news as well, you would tell them to tell everybody that they saw because nothing else would matter at this point. You know the way that they can be saved. Now remember the, the symbolism that I was wanted you to pay attention to. Mo- some of you see where I'm going with this. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is a representation of Jesus who was raised up on a cross. And we know that he is the way that people can be saved. I mean, he is, he is how we can find freedom from our past, joy in our present and hope for our future. That is the good news. And and most of us uh, would believe our bottom line, right? Our bottom line, whoever finds God finds life. Most of us will believe that. But the thing is, is when we walk out these doors, we begin searching for excuses. What is gonna help me get off the hook this time? Maybe it's the fact that, what if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer to you. I don't wanna... I don't, I don't want to look dumb. Or maybe it's, I, I'm, I'm super messed up. I can't talk to people about God. I've got to get my life together first. Or this one's really popular in Lynchburg. There's churches everywhere. I'm sure somebody else will talk to them. These are excuses. And many of us are searching for them. Man. Here's another way to look at it. Imagine, here you go, just picture this. Imagine that it's not a spiritual thing. Imagine it's not a spiritual thing. Like, for example, if you're standing on, on the road and you see a blind guy and he is just walking toward a busy intersection and he's not slowing down, would you just sit there and get all angsty and think someone really needs to tell that guy about what he's about to walk into? no. You would yell, stop, and you would run his direction to physically stop him from getting hit if it came to that. Or imagine it's a group of kids, and they're playing on the playground, and they're having a good time. And walking toward them is a group of people with guns and knives drawn. What would you do? Well, anybody with a brain in their head and a heart in their chest would intervene. Uh, I saw this kind of represented in, in a slightly humorous way. A couple of years ago, uh, my family and I were at the beach. Uh, I love the beach, and uh, it's even more fun with my family because we're really strange. But we're up on top of our balcony, and we're overlooking the ocean. It's beautiful. It's getting ready to be sunset. And we're looking, and we see this guy just kind of bobbing up on his surfboard. And we're like, man, that dude's got the whole ocean to himself. Well, then we realized that he didn't because swimming toward him at a rather rapid rate was a very large shark. Um, and we're, we're thinking, this is about to be nasty. And so right about the time we realized what we're looking at, we started to hear yelling from a balcony near us because they realized what was happening too. And so we joined right in. We're jumping and we're waving and, hey, you idiot, there's a shark in the water. And so like, we're going nuts because we're thinking, man, it's about to be a shark week special. We're going to have to get interviewed. It's going to be bad. And so we're yelling and we're jumping. It's, it's a crazy thing. Well, finally, either the guy hears us freaking out or, or sees a bunch of us 
on, on our balconies and he turns around and he, he paddles his way in. And thankfully, thankfully, the shark decided not to follow him. See, we value human life, don't we? We value it. We sacrifice for it. We fight for human life. But shouldn't we as people who believe and follow Jesus even more so value people's spiritual life, which is eternal? Isn't that worth fighting for even more so? See, sometimes in order for us to fully engage and and know where we're going, we have to be reminded about where we've been. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus. He is writing to, to people who believe and follow Jesus. And the reason why he's writing is he's telling them what they have to be thankful for, what they have to be grateful for, but he's also reminding them about who they were and, and, and what they have to do. So uh, let's read this together. This is Ephesians chapter two. We're gonna start in verse one. It says, as for you, Paul writes, you were dead. Say dead. Say it again. You were dead, Paul says, in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is where it gets good. Verse four, I want you all to lean in. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Man, that's so good. See, see Paul is reminding them that who you used to be was dead. Who you used to be was going after the things of this world, of the things that you thought would satisfy you, but always would come up empty. But now you have found God, you have found life. And that's an amazing thing, but I think it's also really important for us to key in on is this, is that when you realize that you used to be dead, you become keenly aware that there are people who still are dead. When you realize you used to be dead, you become keenly aware that there are people out there who still are dead. Brentwood Church, every single time we walk out these doors, we rub shoulders with people who are spiritually walking dead. We do. They're, they're searching for something. They, they, they believe hope is out there and they've tried all kinds of ways and they've come up empty handed and we have the good news. We have the answer and yet so often we keep it to ourselves and we have no good reason to do it. If we will fight and sacrifice and make fools of ourselves for a human life, wouldn't we do even more for someone's spiritual life? Wouldn't we? See, when you think about it, I want you to think about, I want you to think about Rick and the rest of his, his team. And they represent the people that you and I meet every single day. 
And, and the people that we meet, they, mean, they, might, they might look like they're put together on the outside, but on the inside, on the inside, we know that they're hurting, that they're looking for hope and getting, uh, putting one foot in front of the other is getting more and more difficult. See, in the clip we're about to watch, what I want you to see is, is, is how they are on the outside is what people are feeling on the inside that we rub shoulders with every day. These people that are looking for hope. And even when things seem to be hopeless, look at what keeps moving them forward. We're out, just like the other one. So we walk. strongest we'll get him when it's best high ground something like that they're not going anywhere it's been three weeks since Atlanta I know you lost something back there she's hungry okay she's gonna be okay I need to find water food we'll hit some in the road it's gonna rain sooner or later I hope you didn't miss what Rick said he said it's gonna rain sooner or later and the significance of his statement cannot be overstated. He, he's not just talking about the weather. He's talking about his belief that hope exists. That sooner or later, at some point, it's going to happen. I have to believe that. That's the only thing that's going to keep us going forward. Well, Brentwood Church, we have the answer. We have the hope that they are searching for. And we know it, it's in, it's in our bottom line this morning. Whoever finds God finds life. And for those of us who have been changed by Jesus, we know that it's true. And we can point them to him. So here's a question for you. What are you willing to do to point people to Jesus? What are you willing to do to show Jesus to people? Think about it. It's a heavy question. See, in, in the book of Luke, there's an account uh, of something pretty incredible uh, that, that happened where, where, a, where a couple of men wanted so badly for the, their friend to encounter Jesus that they did something that was pretty awesome. Uh, Luke chapter 5, we're going to be starting in uh, verse 17. Uh, listen, listen to this. One day Jesus was teaching 
And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not do this because of the crowd, listen, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And that is dedication. And the story goes on and Jesus does in fact heal that man, but the way that he does it is interesting. The first thing that he says to him is not your your physical body is healed. It's not the first thing he does. The first thing Jesus says is your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus knows that, that the most important thing is dealing with someone's spiritual deadness, their spiritual issues. If you don't deal with those, nothing else matters. And, and, and these guys that brought them, they understood that. Like they were willing to climb uh, up on top to the roof, dig through that roof and drop their friend down uh, and lower them down in front of Jesus because they knew how big of a deal it was that their friend encounter the life-changing, life-saving power of Jesus. They understood that. They got that. But what about you? What about you? What are you willing to climb over and dig through to show people Jesus? Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe, maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's comfort. See, here at Brentwood Church, we have a core value that we strive for, and we want everything that we do to be reinforced by this. And here it is. It says, we will give up comfort to reach more people for Jesus. And here's why. Because we believe that people's eternity is worth fighting for. We believe people's eternity is worth fighting for. And so often what gets in the way is comfort. You get in your groove of life. You get comfortable and you stop fighting. You stop sharing that news that you know has changed your life and that people need to hear. See, Jesus did the hard work of the gospel and we have an opportunity to point people to him because Jesus is the only one who can bring the walking dead to life. And that is worth fighting for. That is worth fighting for. I want us all to bow our heads. And with no one looking around, if you're in the room this morning and and you believe and follow Jesus, and I have a question for you. Do you believe that people's eternity is worth fighting for? And if so, how are you fighting Maybe today you realize that that you've been searching for excuses. And today you want to start fighting for people's eternity. So if that's you and you know that it's you, then there's a couple things that I'm going to invite you to do when when we stand and sing. I want you to do uh, one of three things. I want you to come up to the front and pray. The second thing is I want you to come up to one of our response tables and I want you to ask God to forgive you for those excuses. 
for letting fear and doubt and even comfort get in the way. And the third thing, the third possibility for you to respond, in the back of the room, we have, uh, we have a very uh, large canvas that has the Brentwood sunburst on it. And already there are some names of people that people have written down that they want to be praying for, that they know need to hear the good news. And I believe that you know some people that need to hear that good news. God has put them on your heart. And so you can either come up here and pray, go to the response station and confess those sins to God, or when we stand up, I want you to go to the back of the room and I want you to write those names down because we believe that they need to find life. And the only way they can find life is through Jesus. But I believe there's another group in the room this morning and and you do not yet believe and follow Jesus. I hope that today you realize that your eternity is worth fighting for. I hope you understand that, that Jesus loves you so much that he stepped out of the perfection of heaven to come to this earth to willingly die on a cross for you and for me. Your spiritual life, your eternity, Jesus fought for it. He died for it to forgive the sins, every sin we will commit, those things that separate us from God. Jesus died to wipe them clean. But if that's not good enough news, three days later, Jesus got up from the dead to prove he had power over sin and over death. And this morning he is calling you to believe and follow him. And so it's time. That thing that you've been searching for, this is it. This is life. And so with no one looking around, if you know that's you, I'm gonna pray. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer silently in your heart to God. No, it's not about the words that you say, but it's about meaning what you say. So just have this conversation. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you love me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. God, I know I'm a sinner. I've messed up time and time again. But today I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me brand new. From this day forward, I believe and follow you. Guys, if you're in the room this morning and you prayed that prayer, that's the best decision that you will ever make, walking from death to life through the power of Jesus. And we wanna know if you did that. So with no one looking around, I'm gonna ask you to be bold. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to stick your hand up in the air. I want you to put your hand up and say, that's me. I did that, I'm new, I'm different. I went from death to life this morning and I'm proud of it. Who will be bold this morning? who will proclaim that God changed them forever. Bruma Church, I want you to stand up with me. I want you to all stand up. See, we have an incredible task, an incredible opportunity. We know what people need to be saved. We know that that out there, we are gonna come across people who are desperately searching for hope and we have the answer. Don't let another day go by before showing them where they can find life. 
In just a second, we're gonna pray. And as soon as I say amen, I wanna remind you that whatever you need to do, whether you need to come up front and pray, we'll have someone who will be here to pray with you. Maybe you need to come to one of our response stations and confess those sins to God. Maybe you have questions of some other kind. I wanna let you know we have people in the back, men and women in the back, and they're wearing an orange next step lanyard. They are there specifically for you. It doesn't matter what question you have. It doesn't matter if you're scared. If you're scared, bring somebody with you, bring a friend with you. The most important thing that you can do is to not leave here with questions unanswered. We're here for you. And God has something he wants to open your eyes to, open your heart to. Jesus, thank you again for your love. Thank you that through you we can find life, a full life, an abundant life, a life worth living and good news worth sharing. Lord, as you continue to move in this place, we just ask that that you would embolden people in here that need to take whatever step that they need, whether it's to confess things to you or to someone else, to sign somebody's name on that canvas in the back that you are burdening them with, that we want to join with them in prayer for that they experience life. Maybe they've got a question, Jesus, and they wanna talk to someone on our next team. Whatever it is, God, please stir them and move them and change them today, God. You are so good. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you have been doing, what you are doing, and what you will be doing. We pray this in your name.